On today's episode, we talk with Galley about the latest update to the Star Wars 5e system. Hello and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters, a podcast discussing everything Star Wars 5e. My name is Todd, I've got Tegan here, and we're looking forward to jumping into hyperspace with you. Let's go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters Podcast, Episode 29. How you doing today, Tegan? Doing pretty well. Uh, just kind of happy uh, getting closer uh, to the Mandalorian coming out. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, not too much longer here, end of the month, so that'll be exciting. Before we get into today's uh, episode, we have uh, Galleon today to talk about uh, the latest update to the Star Wars 5e system, as well as a uh, rundown as well over some updates to the Wretched Hives content. Uh, we do have our own announcements and whatnot. Uh, first off, a couple new Patreons. We'd like to thank Antonio and Dylan. Thank you very much for signing up to support us. And of course, all of our other Patreons uh, for your support. If you'd like to support us uh, or just, you know, give us a like, follow up, whatnot, uh, make sure to look us up DungeonJediMasters.com to find all of our content and uh, including that Patreon where we do have our exclusive Patreon content there. We do have a new Dungeon Jedi Master show podcast. Not sure how we're going with it yet. I think we're going to try and do something uh, that it'll host on YouTube as well, but also that audio format. But anyway, uh, it's going to be called Galactic Basics, a Star Wars setting primer. Essentially, it's going to be a a series that gives any DM um, the basics of the uh, the Star Wars universe. So whether you only know the movies, uh, for example, uh, but your players want to run through the Old Republic, uh, we're hopefully going to provide the basis for that. The basic timeline, major events, major factions, things like that. It's the bare bones so that when you go and do your own campaign, you have these points to uh, then do your own research from there. Um, Because I know that that can be very uh, overwhelming to say, where do you start? There is so much content out there. Uh, And if you're just not familiar with that, you know, that can be daunting. So that is the goal of this new segment. Uh, And uh, some of you may know Jawa from the Star Wars 5e Discord. And uh, he's, uh, he has been working on an Old Republic setting uh, himself that he was wanted to give out to the community. So um, we're going to bring on uh, you know, different people from the community to help out with this uh, this segment. So he's going to be on there with me first for the few, first few sessions to uh, help explain, you know, what this show is about. And uh, we're going to dive into the Old Republic first. So uh, after that long introduction of that, uh, our first episode will be on the 15th of October. So Thursday of the week that this podcast comes out and that will be uh, bi-weekly. And we should be having that, as I said, we're going to aim for YouTube and then have an audio podcast format. So be sure to check that out. Uh, I think that's everything on our end. Uh, Tegan, there is a new, uh, looks like a fighter archetype, the totem specialist. If you want to tell us about that. 
Yeah, this one's a sweet one. So it gives some uh, flexibility, some good options to the fire class. Uh, so this is uh, the totem specialist. Uh, you'll see by the artwork, it's uh, got inspired by the Ewoks. Got a real um, kind of uh, got a savage feel to it. Uh, nice thing with this one is, it just, uh, as I mentioned, it gives you a lot of different flexibilities depending on which totems you pick. Uh, so you basically what the totems do, uh, you're able to uh, manifest them on a bonus action, uh, and basically they give you some type of effect that can add to it. Uh, like one of them, uh, you'll get advantage on an intelligence nature checks. Uh, another one of them will give you a, a dexterity sleight of hands. Uh, and you can also just kind of do different reactions with them as well to get different enhanced effects with your attacks or saving throws while you're in the middle of a fight. Uh, so a lot of cool ones with this. Uh, but just to have a cool, uh, just if you're really kind of going for a more natural feel with uh, Star Wars, if you wanted to make an Ewok or a Wookiee or just somebody that's kind of got that uh Kind of that nature inspiration, this will be a good class to borrow from because you get all the cool stuff of the fighter, uh, but then a lot of flexibility that this archetype will bring to it as well. Yeah, it looks like a fun one. And uh, for October, I'm doing a, a Halloween-themed one-shots for One Shot Wednesdays, and uh, it's going to be all Ewok uh, species. So I'll ha definitely have to make sure the players know that that's available because uh, that obviously, as you said, fits right on theme. That'll be fun. All right, beyond that... Uh, Nothing else other than, um, of course, uh, the Dungeon Jedi Master Spotlight. We do have two more here to highlight. Uh, as usual, thank you so much for your submissions there. Love doing, uh, going through these things, so jump right into it. First one I have is from Rec. Uh, they have dabbled in DMing for a, a decade uh, with Mutants and Masterminds and started DMing uh, over a year ago with, uh, in earnest, with over a year ago with 5e and uh, a few months ago with Star Wars 5e. Uh, their campaign name is A Republic Forsaken, uh, but they say that their the name changes uh, when one episode ends, uh, so maybe a story arc or whatnot, which is really cool, kind of switch things up and, and uh, you know, you have this, this um, living campaign, if you will. Uh, the campaign description here, set in the Old Republic era, Echo Squad and the crew of the Lightmaker must follow the tracks of Master Enoch Korzek, all while navigating the war-torn landscape of the Republic during the Jedi Civil War. As time passes, the party will deal with the events leading up to and through Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2, as well as what could have been Knight of the Old Republic 3. Campaign is uh, levels 1 through 20, and they have potential of going up to 25 or even 30, so really going past you know, the, the normal cap and, and expanding that. So very cool. Uh, they have been running four to five months so far uh, weekly, uh, and, they've, and they've been pretty steady on that, which is awesome. And they have six players, all currently level five. So that sounds like a, a very fun campaign. Thank you, Rec. Uh, Tegan, I'll throw it over to you for our next one. Definitely. So our next one is from Gildarian. Uh, he's been uh, playing and DMing for about four plus years. Uh, his campaign sounds fun. Uh, it's uh, The title of the campaign is The Bidding War. Uh, so it's held in the height of the Old Republic. Uh, and a hut crime lord on Nar Shada uh, has the next big thing in warfare. Uh, so it's got a lot of different factions competing to get a hold of it. Uh, the Jedi are looking to destroy it. Sith want to utilize it to, to destroy the galaxy. And uh, basically, uh, when the weapon is unveiled, uh, it's basically stolen in a theatric display of firepower uh, and a Mandalorian named the veteran uh, is the one that's taken it 
uh, and the, the party kind of crosses paths with these guys and finds that a bounty hunter bounty is put on their own head and they've been named as accomplices uh, to the veteran. So pretty cool concept there, an old Republic area that for some one of my favorite ones to work with. Um, they've been playing for about three months so far. Uh, they've got five players, uh, and they're uh, kind of split levels. So they're uh, five levels five to eight, it looks like. Yeah, that's a. Uh, when I read that one over, I really like that concept. I'm I'm looking ahead. I've still got you know I think I've still got plenty of wind in my sails for my current campaigns, but I really want to go into a homebrew myself. And I've been thinking like, how do I plan this? And and something like this is you know amazing inspiration. You know how these different factions uh, can create this this campaign setting that they're uh, you know going to fight each other. So uh, excellent option there, and um, both of them. Thanks again uh, to you two for your submissions and everyone else. Uh, if you still uh, still want to submit and you haven't done so, please let us know. We'd love to hear about your campaign. It's always nice to hear from the community. So yeah, definitely keep sending them in. Uh, and just kind of, it's good inspiration for not only us but others in the community too, as they're they about starting their own games and getting up and running. Yeah, absolutely. Seen so much. I we see posts on Reddit and whatnot, people sharing their their YouTube content and whatnot. It's it's awesome to see. So usually the the DM player ratio is is definitely very skewed towards the player, but uh, you know I think it's it's slowly getting better. It's great to see. All right, so uh, with that, I think we can jump into today's main uh, portion of the episode as we'll bring uh, Gally on here and we can talk about these updates. All right, so we have Gally on with us today. How are you doing today, sir? Pretty good. Good to have you on again. Uh, we're here to talk about the latest update to uh, the Player's Handbook, those rules. Uh, and then uh, we do have, uh, as the release of this podcast on the 13th, uh, sounds like an update to Wretched Hives as well. So so uh, if you want, uh, just kind of turn it over to you. And you know, if you want to give us a rundown on the update, uh, the main update to the Player's Handbook that just came out a week or two, uh, a week or two ago, and uh, give us thoughts on you know, the, the thought process for those changes and, and in general what those were. Sure. Um, so there are obviously a lot of changes. I'm not going to go over all of them because most of them are fairly minor. Um, starting at the beginning, so chapters two, three, and four, species, archetypes, and backgrounds all got expanded. Um, there are now 30 species in the player handbook. There are now 40 archetypes, four per class, and a total of 20 backgrounds in the player's handbook. So the reason I made this change is the goal is to have four books of character options available uh, once all is said and done. Of course, the player handbook. Uh, Wretched Hives will end up involving some species, archetypes, and backgrounds, as will Galactic Strongholds when that comes out. And then there will be a final sixth book um, beyond Scum and Villainy and Starships that will just basically be character options focused. So each of those books, the goal is to have 30 species, 40 archetypes, and 20 backgrounds, which gives us a total cap, soft cap, for books at 120 species, 160 archetypes, 10, uh, 16 per class, and 80 backgrounds. And then the goal from there is to be able to set up randomization tables. So if you don't know what you want to play for a character, you can roll on a character table in the customizations book and it can determine your species, class, archetype, and background. So we can do all of that through there because uh, nice. I really like randomization. So that'll be a, a fun little endeavor, uh, not too soon, <laughs> but uh, you know, eventually. Yeah, on the horizon. Yeah, that'll be cool. Uh, you know, down the road, as you said, when we get there, uh, very cool way to 
to bring everything together. But uh, lots of options. It's the uh, right. the plan across the books with the the amount of species and things is is great, and uh, you know a lot of stuff out there. Yep, yep. I'm I'm pretty happy with the way things are developing right now. Um, and then additionally, in chapter three, we had some massive overhauls to a few of the classes, um, specifically Berserker, let's see, Berserker, Monk, Operative, and Scout. I think those are the ones with the most comprehensive changes. So one of the things I've always really liked about traditional 5e is how much customization there is in the Warlock class. Uh, Warlock has three levels of customization because they have their archetype, like every other class. They also have invocations, and then they have that packed boon. So there's like a whole bunch of different ways to consult, to combine these features to make a completely different warlock. And that's something I'm kind of envious of, and decided that I wanted to emulate that a little better with Star Wars 5e. So one of the big tenets is that every class has archetypes, which has been the way since day one. And now every class has some kind of invocation style system associated with it. Previously, many of the classes already had those, like Consular had um, the Force-empowered casting options. Fighters had maneuvers. Uh, who else is there? Guardians have their aura options. Um, scholars have had maneuvers and discoveries. And then Sentinel had their ideals. So the four classes that were left out in that were Berserker, uh, Monk, Operative, and Scout. So they all have earned invocation-style choices to, just, again, just add another layer of customization to those classes. Uh, that was the second big change of this over or update, rather. Yeah, those are good stuff there. Uh, specifically, we just did our monk spotlight last week, and uh, and then in my Tempest Feud game, one of my players is a monk, and they just leveled up, and then it just kind of was a good opportunity for him to go through and and all this stuff. And and we talked a little bit after session on all those um, the monastic vows that are specific to the monk, and yeah, lots of cool stuff to play with. So he was excited to to go through that. Yeah, the Monk and Berserker changes are some of my favorites. Uh, usually I'm not a big Berserker Barbarian fan, but some of those, uh, what do they call them, the uh, instincts, uh, can add some cool options, some more, uh, some more kind of flexibility and customization to the class too, just make it a little bit more fun to play versus just raging and hitting. Yeah, and that was really the goal is to, you know, I've kind of moved away from the simplicity of some of the classes in 5e, so there's more character customization, which can be daunting for new players, but I think it adds a lot more rewarding of an experience once you really start to learn and understand how classes work. Definitely. Sure. Um, so Chapter 5 had some adjustments as well for equipment. So I moved in uh, the auto and rapid properties, which this ties directly to a, a Chapter 6 change, so we'll get, we'll get over that then. I also added a, a wealth by level uh, chart to the beginning of chapter five. So instead of previously, the plan was to add a chart like that to each book. So for each book you added, you had a different target wealth to add to your total characters. So if characters don't want to do starships, they don't really need as much money. So you don't need to use the starship wealth. That became kind of convoluted as a goal. So I just decided to set a target wealth, what each character should earn at that given level. Um, it starts at a thousand credits is what they should earn during the level, during their first level. And then at 20th level, they should have earned about 10 million total credits. I, I believe that's what the table says. Nice. Um, so yeah, I added that. And then there's some other minor changes, but nothing really note. I think that's uh, that's probably one of the, that prob if it's not on the FAQ, that's one of the biggest questions I've seen over the year or so is, you know, how much money should a player have at this level? So that'll be a good addition. That's a, Yeah, that's a good call. I'll add that. Uh, cool. So jumping to chapter six, uh, no significant changes here too much. I moved all of the fighting styles and fighting masteries into the player handbook. Previously, it was 16 in the player handbook and eight in uh, expanded content. 
Uh, the goal here is to have, for each of the four character option books, once again, Player Handbook, Wretched Hives, Galactic Strongholds, and the unnamed character options book, uh, each of those will have a customization option that is unique and tied to them. Uh, the Player Handbook, of course, has the fighting styles and fighting masteries. I currently have, in progress for Wretched Hives, casting styles and casting masteries, which I won't get too far into because I haven't gotten too far into it. Um, Galactic Strongholds is going to have a heavy emphasis on the companions, so those will be reworked as uh, character options as opposed to just class features, which again, I'll get into that once Galactic Strongholds comes out. And then the last player options book will readopt those weapon specialist feats, and there will also be a weapon focus tier, so instead of having just the one feat for each of them, there will be a weapon focus and a weapon specialization. And then there will be a, a casting focus and casting specialization similar to the casting specialization feed now. Nice. nice. So yep, that's the material change. That's really the goal of moving those weapon specialist feats out for now. Um, as far as the remainder of the book, nothing really of note. Um, chapters 11 and 12, Force and Tech Powers, I increased those both to 200 because I was moving everything to clean numbers, so why not? So now there's 200 Force Powers and 200 Tech Powers. And then um, finally, in the Appendix A for conditions, shock was reworked, and then the new condition, of course, slowed, which basically there were a lot of features that had conditional text that said target creature's speed is reduced by half. If it was already reduced by half, it's instead reduced to five. So that got a little bit clunky overall. So now most of those features instead cite slowed, so they inherently stack with each other, and there's no real back-and-forth reference needed just a, yeah just a matter of what level slow they have yep exactly right yeah and it's easy too because it's the first level is minus 15 the second level is minus 10 so total of minus 25 the third level is minus 30 and then the fourth level is you just have zero speed regardless of what it was previously right nice. Yeah, nice yeah so i thought that was pretty easy so that's the real material changes for player handbook um moving on to wretched hives so the update that's coming up isn't as comprehensive as what you guys got last last week um, or two weeks ago, I guess. Uh, so the major changes, I'm introducing some new weapon properties. Uh, specifically right now I have Brutal, which is exactly what you guys think it is. It's a new scaling number property from one to three that adds one to three critical, uh, one to three weapon dice on a critical hit. So that'll be a nice new one. Um, there was one that was kind of touched on a little bit previously that I've really reworked. It's called Auto Target for Blasters. And what this property does is it adds a, essentially an AI to your blaster. So it uses the AI's dexterity and proficiency bonus instead of yours, as long as you have proficiency in the weapon. So it's a nice way to add a ranged option to melee oriented characters, strength oriented characters, because then they don't really have to have to put too much emphasis on their decks. Uh, these weapons will be expensive. Nice. nice. Yep. Um, and then I've got two new. So we have the shocking property, which has that scaling DC to do extra damage on a hit. I've got two more of those. We've got neuralizing, which is a wisdom saving throw, 1D, or a 1d4 psychic damage, and adds a frightened effect only until the start of their turn, because till the end of their turn with it being recurring is just too much. And then I've also got sonorous, which is going to be a constitution saving throw. Uh, same deal, uh, 1d4 sonic damage, and then it deafens them. Um, and then the one last property I've got coming is called Switch. And what Switch is, is a property for blasters that lets them switch damage types. Um, so it'll be like a blaster that does energy damage. You can use your object, uh, object interaction to change it to fire or cold or whatever, and you change it back. And it changes the damage die when you do that as well. So that'd be pretty sweet. With uh, that Switch property, are they going to be limited to the amount they can switch to? Or will it be kind of like two or three they get to start with? Or 
so this is kind of um, this is less less easily maneuverable with like modifications um, because the way that weapon damage is calculated is on a back end, kind of like a hidden formulae. And so when you do typically blasters do energy or kinetic damage, mm -hmm. when you do a different elemental type, typically what happens is that damage die steps down by one. So if your blaster does 1d8 energy or kinetic damage, you could also have the switch property and it would do 1d6 fire, lightning, um, and or cold damage instead. So it's not as easy to apply to um, an item modification, but it'll be a cool base feature for some new blasters. For sure. That sounds pretty sweet. Yeah. And then let's see. Um, so there are some minor changes in Chapter 5. Um, nothing really of note. Uh, chapter 6. Chapter 6 has a bunch of the feats for previously for specialist kit. Um, the archaeologist, artillerist, bioanalyst, brewmaster, geneticist, luthier, scavenger, slithmonger, wildcatter. All those feats have been deprecated. Uh, their unique feature for their tool is going to be rolled right into the base tool in Chapter 8. So instead of having to have the feet to get those little amplification tools, you can just do that as a part of tool proficiency. Um, chapter seven for enhanced items, um, nothing real significant changed here. Uh, chapter eight, which has the tools chapter is being overhauled substantially. Um, same general theme. It's gonna focus on each of the tools. It's gonna have a tool or a chapter, I'm sorry, a table, wow a table of what tool crafts what item, but it's going to have it backwards. So you have the list of tools and what items they craft, and then you're going to have a list of items and what tool governs those items. So I think it'll be an easy way with these two tables to really see you know, what each tool can do. Uh, and more importantly, what I need, what tool you need to do something. That's going to be great. I think that's a source for some confusion for some newer players. So I think having the yep. table both ways will answer a few questions. Yep, that's, that's pretty much how I felt about it. Um, I think it should... It'll be a lot, a good, a good point of reference. Um, and then finally, so Appendix A will whole whole bunch of more enhanced items, a whole bunch of them. A lot of them have moved from from the expanded content stuff into the book. Some of them are going to be brand new there, but there's a lot. Um, most of the class enhanced items and class uh, augments were reworked. They were all increased if they were not already to prototype rarity, so they shouldn't be gotten as early. The class items were nerfed. Um, in that they only have charges at the end of a long rest. You can't generate them anymore, which I, it was a lofty ideal to allow them to do that. And while it added, added a lot of uh, utility to these classes, it also just got way, way, way too much. Um, so the, that the, charge, the recharging part was removed and now it's just charges per long rest. Um, whole bunch of more enhanced items once again, uh, restructured the chapter. So it's gonna be a lot easier to search by slot as opposed to just browsing alphabetically, which was a little bit frustrating. Uh, yeah, that's that's the material changes for Wretched Hives. There will be no changes to factions for this update. I need to come back to that, but I'm I'm not. Uh, I haven't had any real inspiration on that front, so no changes to factions with this update. The uh, in regards to the factions, just kind of thinking about that, uh, it'll be interesting. Have you seen any feedback, I guess, on the on the Discord or anything about how those are running? What's your, you know, other than lack of inspiration, as you said, is is there anything uh, that changes that need to come up because of you know mechanics or anything like that uh i from what i've seen the people that have been using the guidelines to generate factions have been doing fine with it um they haven't really felt it feels restrictive the only real the only real overhaul that really needs to happen on that front is to make the ability scores for factions useful outside of just the faction activities um right. so really kind of give them a more uh you know background shifting feature so the gm can adjudicate things happening while you're not present um so th that's something that 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 needs to happen i just i don't really know how it should happen yet 
Right. Yeah, I think uh, I've used it. Uh, you know, we used it, Tegan, in, in their last game a little bit. And then I kind of have it in my, my Tuesday game. And I think it works. It's, it's definitely, you know, it's pretty passive, I'd say. Uh, in my experience, I guess, but I think that, you know, that might fall on me running the game and, and the players and how they use it. But, um, yeah, still, a still a good system, I think at, at its core. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for the material changes for Tuesday and the material changes from two Tuesdays ago. Nice. Awesome. Uh, so definitely a lot of changes came through, uh, out of all the ones we've kind of updated over this week and next, uh, what's been your favorite or the one you kind of are most proud of? Um, the invocation system, that was obviously the biggest change. You know, the rest of it was just shifting page numbers effectively, you know, adding more stuff in. But uh, I think adding the invocations to uh, the classes that really needed it. Obviously, Monk got the most love with this this overhaul or updates. Um, you know, they got a lot of stuff added at the base level uh, with very little taken away. So I think a, a lot of the complaints people had about Monk should be alleviated at this point. Um, it, we might have even gone a little too far in the other direction. We'll, we'll, it remains to be seen. Yeah, we. Uh, I think we were already looking at some of the stuff uh, in my Tuesday game, and and we we kind of revisited that a little bit. I remember in discussion, but uh, I think it's it wasn't too bad. We just had to, you know, make a tweaker here, um, tweak or two here or there. So, but um, yeah, that's kind of the way it goes. That's the process. Exactly. So what's uh, I guess then what's on the horizon? I kind you know roughly we know, but is there anything specifically that you're gonna look to work on next? Um, we really got to revisit starships. We've had a lot of discussion on the back end about that. Um, so that's probably the next step and then scum and villainy. And then from there, I'll probably start putting a little more emphasis on galactic strongholds and really trying to get a framework out for people to start using that and get feedback and start polishing. Yeah, I know the, the, the starship, uh, stuff would be good to touch on for sure. I, I, I see a lot of conversations about that and um i think we had somebody the other day on our youtube asking about a a video on that specifically so um yeah just kind of touching on that would be good yeah that's i think that's probably the most common requested videos are about starships so it's it's good that you guys did a couple early on because they're you know rather than answering the question 10 times a day i can just point at a video tegan anything else from you I uh, know. I love the changes, man. The invocations for the classes, I think, are really giving some good options out there. I haven't looked through the operative too much yet, but uh, going through the scout, uh, Berserker, and Monk, it just really gives some cool things they can do and just a lot more flexibility of the class. So definitely a good improvement. I will actually say on that regard, I liked the way, uh, so scout routines was was kind of a, you know, a burst of inspiration on my end where scout is, of course, the tech analog to the Force Guardian, um, and so Guardians just have auras that are always on, so I wanted to do something like that, but more of the solitary type for scouts, so I'm pretty happy with how the routines turned out and that they're basically just passives for you or they're passives for your party but not you. I, I was kind of proud of that uh, ideal. Yeah, that's a fun one. It kind of gives the, the players some uh, good opportunity to kind of determine what they want to focus on. They want to be that lone wolf or focus more on the team buffing. Exactly. Very good. Well, uh, yeah, if nothing else, then... Uh, Galley, thank you so much as usual. Uh, we'll definitely, you know, do this again soon when have another big update coming up. And, um, you know, just uh, appreciate all the work and helping uh, get this out to uh, to all of us players. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So always great to have uh, Galley on and go over that stuff. Um, that wraps us up for this episode. Uh, quick 
uh, mention of uh, what's up next. Uh, we will be doing a DM chat, uh, one of my favorite episodes to do, Tegan. Uh, just kind of bounce ideas off each other. And uh, we discussed, you know, mentioning uh, or, or talking about uh, highlighting individual characters in a campaign. So bringing up uh, backstory elements and things like that, I think is a really cool uh, thing to do. And, and doing it so it's not, uh, you know, taking up too much of the time of, of your session and whatnot, but definitely ways to work that in. So I think that'll be a fun one. Yeah, it should be great. It's always nice to, as, as a player and the DM, to really kind of give different players uh, kind of a chance to shine, take that spotlight. Uh, so we just kind of go over some cool ways to do it and just really kind of bring the, the backstory into the campaign a bit. Absolutely. So that'll be next week. And uh, beyond that, as always, thank you everyone for all of our listeners, our subscribers, followers. Uh, check us out, DungeonJediMasters.com. We'll see you next time. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you.